Hallelujah! Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Oh, yeah, I'm in the right place today. This, this is wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. Don't we love the Lord with all our heart, all our soul, all our mind, all our strength? As we mentioned earlier, you know, I, we have observed over this past couple of years, a number of churches uh, shut their doors. A number of churches, a number of ministries are no longer exist. They, they no longer function. And so for your church family and our church families to be as strong as we are, doing like we're doing, somebody say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Father, we give you all the glory, all the praise. You have sustained us. You have kept us. You have met our needs. You have protected us. And we give you all the glory and praise for every victory. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And you who have gotten us this far, you will get us the rest of the way. Thank you, Lord, enabling us to finish our course with joy and serve our generation in the gospel. We all agree together, Lord, is touching this, asking you for utterance, anointing, direction, guidance. Give everybody eyes and ears and hearts that can see, hear, and receive, and uh, open the scriptures to us. Open your word to us. Show us what applies to us right now and the parts to help us step up and come to the next place in you. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. You can be seated. If you would uh, turn to Galatians, the sixth chapter, Galatians 6. Uh, now, if you were not with us on Friday evening, and I'm saying that wrong. Saturday. Saturday. <laughs> I've been a couple of places the last few days. Uh, Saturday evening, last, last night, right? Y'all pray for me. Reach, reach your hands this way. Uh, we talked about this subject and this topic, and that was part one. What we're getting in today is part two. So the, I encourage you, get last night's message if you weren't there. Uh, I, I'm convinced it, it'll really help you minister to you. You'll get more out of this after you hear it even the next time. But um, Galatians 6, 9 is our text. It says, let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Everybody say, we shall reap. We shall reap. We shall reap. Now he said, uh, let us not be weary in well-doing or doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. One of the biggest errors in the church for generations now, generation after generation, is the overemphasis on God's part in the happenings of our life. And uh, the, in, the enemy repackages this. Every generation 
to, for, to get people to believe, well, it's just up to God. It's up to him. And you'll hear phrases like, well, it, it's all God. It, it's all God. What, what do you mean by that? And, and people try to say, well, it, it's, it's all grace or it's all God. It's all up to him. It's all up to his plan. It's all up to his wisdom. But that's simply not what the Bible teaches. The scriptures reveal that we have, have a responsibility and even though God has given us everything by grace, we won't enjoy any of it until and unless we lay hold of it by faith. Faith is the hand that receives. Hallelujah. That, that takes what God has so graciously given. And what the Lord ministered to me a number of years ago from this verse is our responsibility in the reaping arena. A lot of Christians in our camp are givers. They believe in giving. They believe in sowing. But many of them believe that once they've done that, they're done. Now the rest of it is up to God. Our harvest, when it happens, how it happens... How much, that's just all up to, to him. But even looking at this verse, who's going to reap? In due season what? God shall reap? No, that's we. And we shall reap, and what's the next word? If. Now, if reaping's going to happen, whether or not, after you've sown, there shouldn't be an if. Right? If there's an if, that means reaping may not happen. If you do this and don't faint, reaping will occur. You shall reap. But what if you faint and give up and quit? Well, then you won't reap. Well, I want to reap. Anybody here besides me? Now, when he says we shall reap if we faint not, Faint not at what? what? Why would you need to say that? To faint, faint has to do with getting weary and getting tired and giving up and quitting. Well, why would we need to be told this? Unless there was some, some responsibility that we have to do. If, it, if none of it was our responsibility, you wouldn't have to say, don't get tired in doing what? 1 Timothy 6, 12. You don't have to turn there, but many of you are familiar with it. It says, uh, fight the good fight of faith. That's not the end. Tell me the next two words. Lay hold. Oh, somebody say lay hold. Lay hold. Lay hold. On eternal life. If you skip down to verse 19 in this same chapter, verse 19, he says, uh, he talked about, you know, uh, being generous and giving, and in so doing, you'd be laying up in store. And notice who you're doing it for for yourself. Laying up in store for themselves 
a good foundation against the time to come that they may what? Everybody say lay hold. Lay hold. Uh, Mark eleven twenty four 24, that, that many of us have heard a number of times, it, it says, uh, what things soever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. Well, that same Greek word translated receive in that verse is scores of times translated take. Take or took, take. So believe that you take it. And you'll have it. Believe that you take it and you'll have it. Everybody say that out loud. Believe that you take it. How do you take it? You believe that you take it. That's how you take it. Well, that's not God's responsibility. That's our responsibility. Some years ago, I had been ministering outside the country and I was on a commercial plane coming back, and it was at nighttime, and it was quiet in the plane and dark, and I was just looking out the window. I was thanking God for helping us, and, and as I was getting, I'm coming back home, I, was, I re, was reminded of some things that were coming up at the office and at the ministry. We're going to need substantial amounts of money to do it, and we didn't have it yet. We didn't have it in hand, and, you know, didn't just believe in God, didn't know how how it would come in, but uh, the Lord began to minister to me as I sat there quiet. I don't mean I heard a voice, but inside me, he said, Keith, do you know how much you and Phyllis and the ministry sowed in this past year? How much? I didn't know to the dollar, but I knew approximately, and I thought, yeah. And he said, do you know how much you've sown in the last five years? I thought, well, yeah, approximately, and he said, well, what would even a five-fold harvest on that be? I pulled out my little calculator, and I, and I thought, well, the number reached across the screen. I thought, glory to God. Now, the Bible in Philippians talks about that your giving results in fruit that abounds to your account. He wasn't talking about an account at the first bank of Philippi. Where is this account? Do you have an account? Huh? Fruit that may abound to your account. You know, Jesus talked about this, about liquidating and giving. And he said, you do that, you'll lay up treasure in heaven. Now, a lot of people have added a verse to that, below that, that's not there. That Jesus said, you'll lay up treasure in heaven, and in their mind, one below it says, where thou canst not touch it till thou diest. <laughs> but that's human reasoning and thinking. We won't need any money past this life. If you don't get your money now, <laughs> you're never going to need it. And that's true with so many things in this life. If you don't get your healing now, your glorified body is not going to need it. So you better get it now. Look at your neighbor. Help them out. Say, get it now. Get it. Get it. Get it now. Get, get your stuff now. <laughs> and uh, what he said there in, in 1 Timothy 6, 19, laying up 
in store. And then he talked about laying hold. And he'd already talked about that's part of fighting the good fight of faith is that you lay hold, which is another way of saying believe that you take it. Believe that you receive it. Believe that you take it. Well, when the Lord was ministering to me about that, I thought, well, that would take care of everything I'm talking about and a lot of money to give and sow too. And the Lord spoke to my heart real strong. I mean, it burned in my heart. He said, reaping is not automatic. Reaping is, because we had sown. A lot of you have sown. A lot of you have sown a lot over the years. Did the Lord forget it? Is it gone? Do you have an account? Reckon how much is in there? Because multi God multiplies. He multiplies. Bible talks about, you know, uh, 30, 60, 100 fold. And, and that's, that's not a stretch or reach because all sowing and reaping is parallel whether it's spiritual or natural. And in the natural, it's not crazy to get a 50 fold harvest. And so depending on what kind of seed it is, what kind of plant it is, it's not crazy to get 300-fold. Some things even more. This is the miracle of blessing power, is the multiplication of the seed. We're, we're used to it. We're accustomed to it. It's how you ate yesterday in all your life. It's, it's, it's because of sowing and reaping. It's why human beings, more human beings are on the planet, is seed. It's, it, it's all that principle. But what's so amazing about it is that one little seed can become 30. One can become 50. One can become 100. That is miracle power. It's miracle design and it's miracle power. Hallelujah. And when the Lord deals with us to sow a seed, his intent, in fact, it's against his plan if it didn't happen, is for what you sowed to multiply. Isn't that what he told mankind? Be fruitful and multiply. Oh, hallelujah. Somebody say, be fruitful. And multiply. Multiply. Well, uh, when the Lord said that to me, reaping is not automatic. Well, what we just read in, in Galatians 6, 9 proves that. We shall reap what? If. If we don't give up and faint. And, and, and faint, faint at doing what? Stop doing what? And then the Lord uh, reminded me because we had come up under Brother Hagin's ministry already for a number of years at that time, how God taught him at a juncture in his life when he was hurting, actually the little book of his, little mini book called uh, How God Taught Me About Prosperity. If you don't have this little book, get the little book from Kenneth Hagin Ministries. It's uh, how God taught me about prosperity. I think it's $2 or something, little book. But he goes into detail in that about how that uh, 
in, in a transition of ministry, he didn't have the income that he needed. And actually every month he was going in the hole. He was in the red month after month and he didn't have his transportation needs. His family didn't have what they needed and him being gone all the time. And so he began to seek the Lord earnestly and fast and pray saying, Lord, what, you know, what do I need to do? What's, what needs to happen here? And he was quoting scriptures to the Lord. You know, there's too much pretending going on in church. You know, people are hurting and not getting results, but then they are embarrassed that somebody may think I don't have enough faith or, or whatever, and they just kind of hide it and cover it. That is absolutely wrong and unnecessary. Come on, are y'all listening? If you want to get help, you got to be honest. And if you're not getting what you need, something needs to change. And it's not God. God doesn't need to change. He is faithful. He is good. His word is true. Faith works. But if it's not working some area of your life, then it's something that you're missing. And you don't want to just keep beating your head against the wall. What did, what did Brother Hagin do? He, he had already had multiple visitations, appearances by the head of the church Amen. at this time. And yet what does he do? He doesn't just go on just doing the same thing. He gets serious. He starts praying and fasting and seeking God. Is that right? Saying, God, show me what, I, what needs to change here. And praise God, he did. He said, the Lord on the third day spoke to him and said, stop praying about money. Stop praying like you've been doing. He said, the money that you need, he, well, he said this first, he said, he said, it's not me that's withholding money from you. It's not me, he said, that's withholding from your ministry, that's withholding from your family and your children. It's the enemy. And he said, the money that you need is not in heaven. It's there. He said, claim what you need. Everybody say, claim what you need. Claim what you need. Now, I know there's people that make fun of us and say, oh, y'all are that, you know, uh, confess it, possess it bunch. You know, hey, we're blessed. You, you want to be one of us. But I didn't write 1 Timothy 6.12 and verse 19. I didn't write Mark 11, uh, 24. The, these principles are what the Lord has taught us and told us to do and we must not say, well, okay, but Lord, I, I don't want to. I just want to leave it up to you. You can't leave up to God what he left up to you. You can't do that. doesn't work. And if he says you need to believe you take it, you need to claim it, you need to lay hold of it. Do you know why the first generation of Israelites that God delivered out of Egyptian bondage never enjoyed the promised land? They wouldn't lay hold of it. They wouldn't possess it. They let the giants and the walled cities and all of that intimidate them. And they cried and felt sorry for themselves. Faith is not for the wimpy. It's not. Faith. I mean, you look at the heroes of faith throughout the word of God. I mean, take the woman with the issue of blood. 
I mean, that might not be you. You, you. you probably thought I was talking about David and his mighty men. But let's just take her. Why is she in the book? Because she didn't lay at home and sing Kumbaya. Lord, notice me. She didn't lay at home and feel sorry for herself because of her sick condition and her broke condition. She had enough faith to gather herself up. Is that right? Get out of bed in her weakened condition, in her sick condition, in her broke condition. Press through the crowd. Oh, come on. Can you see this? This is not a coward. This is not a weakling. Even though her body was weak, she had become persuaded of something inside her heart. And she said, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, I will be healed. Hallelujah. And she pushed through there and she took a healing. Didn't even ask if it would be okay. Is that right? She, she pushed through there and she took her a healing and she felt immediately in her body that she was healed of that plague. And so she, she backed up into the crowd, you know, smiling like the cat that got the canary, <laughs> thinking everything's cool, and realized the Lord hadn't moved a step since from where she touched him. And he's saying, who touched me? She's going, oh, no, oh, no. <laughs> Oh, no, you know, maybe he wants it back. I don't know. <laughs> she didn't even ask. Jesus was not having a healing meeting. He wasn't having a, a prayer line. He's walking down the road. But when she finally saw she couldn't be hid, she came and fell down before him and told him all the truth. He didn't say what some theology tries to say. Oh, you should have asked first and seen if it was the will of God, you know. No. Be of good cheer. Daughter, your faith's made you whole. Go in peace and be whole. Of your he was pleased with it. Right? That she had the confidence that she had uh, was aggressive enough to push right through. Now see, religion does the opposite. Religion makes beggars out of men. Hmm? Oh no, don't you dare. Who do you think you are? Oh no, don't imagine that. Well, we don't know if it's God's will. We don't know if it's God's will. It's just all up to God. It's just all up to God. But it's not true. What God has given, what Jesus has bought and paid for and given is available to be possessed by faith, by anybody, anytime, anywhere. And people are not waiting on God. He's, he's made it available. He never changes. And so the, uh, the Lord told Brother Hagin, he said, uh, the money you need's down there. Claim what you need. And I'm summarizing. You ought to get the little book and read it. But he told him, say three things. Say, say, say. Say, I claim X amount. He, he would talk about how much he needed for his budget for the week and for the month. Claim that amount. I claim that amount. And of course, it's down here, out of this world system. And of course, your, your sowing gives you a right. And your tithing gives you a right. You got seed in the ground. 
And so then he said, also say, Satan, take your hands off my finances. We need to be acting more on what Jesus called the keys of the kingdom. Remember he said in Matthew, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. I'm convinced uh, we, we've not done enough of this. We need to be acting on this on a daily Amen. basis. Amen. Are you all with me? Anytime you notice anything in your life that's not of God, that's trying to hinder you, harass you, hurt you, steal, kill, or destroy, you need to immediately start shutting that down in the name of Jesus. Huh? You need to say, uh, you know, a, a couple of things here. Phyllis, my wife, boy, she's big on this devourer being rebuked because we're tithers, and, and our church is a tithing church. Our ministry is tithing ministry. And so anytime that uh, something comes up that looks like it's going to try to cost us money that it shouldn't cost us, she'll start going, oh, no, oh, no. No, we're tithers. The devourer is rebuked. For our sake, and man, I, we have seen it over and over again that what it looked like we were going to have to pay, we didn't have to pay. It turned around. It changed. But then also when you see something that's trying to cause a problem, and we, man, we need, to, we need to remind ourselves of this when it comes to dealing with people. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. Now, you got to remind yourself of that. Because when somebody is acting all heathen on you and up in your face, hmm, you, you'll be real tempted to get in the flesh with them and not realize my problem is not with flesh and blood. That there are spirits involved. And their spirits are influencing people and people that don't know any better, they're yielding to them. And you can wrestle with the flesh, but it don't address the problem. It don't address the cause. I had something interesting happen a while back. We, we have an aircraft and it's, it's nice. And we flew into a place and we're getting some fuel. And I went to the, uh, the, air, the FBO area there and there was a guy in there. And he said, whose plane is that? And it was ours. He's got a new paint job. It's gleaming out there. It was, it was looking good. He, and, and, and he said, who, who's, who plane is that? I told him it was the, our church's plane. And uh, he looked at me. He put his stuff down. He said, that's why I don't go to church. <laughs> of course, that's a lie. He just met me. <laughs> right? And, uh, but the way he said it, you know, in such an abrasive, offensive way, it's kind of like slapping, you know, backhand him. And your flesh wants to go, hey, you don't know us or what we do. But flesh and blood's never our problem. Right? It's a, what we should immediately do in a situation like that. If, if something's trying to attack or harass, even under your breath, I bind that. Mm-hmm. Every evil spirit trying to hurt and harass, I command you to stop in your operations. Amen. Cease 
in your maneuvers. I bind you in Jesus' name. I, I do this kind of thing on a regular basis, and sometimes I can almost hear the demons cussing. <laughs> it makes them so mad, so upset, because sometimes they've been working on something for months, trying to get it, you know, into place, and in the name of Jesus, you can just shut them down, and they're like, oh, cuss, 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 you know? <laughs> But every day is a new day, and so you better be on the watch and better be ready. But with this guy then, I caught myself and I checked my heart, and I said, well, I said, you know, there's a lot of churches that think exactly like you do about that. He looked at me. I said, yeah. I said, and you could probably find one that agrees with you completely on that. He looked at me and he said, he said, yeah, you know, I hadn't been going. And uh, he said, probably my kids need to go to church. I said, yeah, they do. <laughs> and so I started talking. I said, yeah, you need to go to church. I said, just go and visit churches and see what, you know, you find the right one and you, you'll feel like you fit. And before we got through, he said, you know, I think I'm going to do that. I'm going <laughs> to. <laughs> what a different. We must not jump in the flesh with people. Is that right? And we must remember flesh and blood's not the problems. Everybody said out loud, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. But when it comes to what he talked about, what we do have to deal with, principalities, powers, etc., we have authority in the name of Jesus, but we've got to use it. I said we've got to use it. And when spirits are trying to work through people, don't just get exasperated. Act on him. Hmm? Practice it. Hmm? You say, I bind you. Every you foul spirits, you unclean spirits, you evil spirits, I shut you down. I bind you in the name of Jesus. Do we have scripture for that? Yeah, we do. Yes, we do. Hallelujah. Glory to God. How am I doing on my time? I'm taking some side journeys. Uh, <laughs> extra time on, on this one. Uh, okay, I got the word from the, from the top here. Uh, go with me, if you would, to um, Luke. Excuse me. Let, let's do it this way. Uh, go, go to Genesis first. Genesis 26. Then we'll look at something here in Luke. But um, the Lord quickened to me that reaping's not automatic and that reaping is according to our faith. In order to get a good harvest, in order to get a harvest from your sowing, it is possible to sow and not reap at all. And I think a lot of Christians are proof of that. Go to Proverbs, if you would. I, I'm, I'm skipping too much, so, so let's don't skip it. Go to Proverbs. Hold your place. You know, if you've got a finger here and a finger here, then you're getting in the Word. <laughs> Proverbs, the 10th chapter, says this. Proverbs 10, 5 says, He that gathers in summer is a wise son, but he that sleeps in harvest is a son that causes shame. 
The complete Jewish Bible says, he who sleeps during harvest is an embarrassment. He who sleeps through the time of harvest, the good news says. Is it possible to sleep through a harvest? It is. You'll find that any, basically anything you can say about a natural harvest is true with spiritual sowing and reaping. They're the same laws, same principles. So yeah, you could have, you could have planted hundreds of acres or thousands of acres. God, you know, caused the conditions to be right and you got plenty of rain and plenty of sunshine and right temperatures and you got a bumper crop, man. Will that crop march off the stalk into the barn by itself? No. You have to get it in. We shall reap. We do the reaping. And so uh, uh, is it possible that you could just sleep right through it? It'd be time to harvest and you're not harvesting? Well, it is. And what you'll find is that we have a responsibility of faith and that faith is inseparable from being led by the Spirit. Now, this is something I've found in our circles. Word and faith circles has been a weak point. You must know more than faith principles to be successful. And, and you try to apply faith principles without praying and being led by the Spirit, you're going to have failures. You will be saying things, you'll be demanding things, and it won't happen. Because the servant is not above his master. The disciple is not above his master. And Jesus said, I can of my own self do nothing. I only say what I hear the father say. I only do what I see him do. So he didn't just say anything that crossed his mind. You can't separate walking, living by faith from being led by the spirit. And being led by the Spirit involves communing with God. Is that right? Praying, checking your heart. And so to avoid sleeping through harvest and missing your harvest, you have to be attuned when the Lord quickens you. Okay, harvest time. Amen. All right, go here. Do this. Do that. That's when you put in the sickle, like Mark 4 says, and you reap, and you harvest. Go to Genesis now. This is the story, the account of uh, Isaac, Genesis 26. Did I tell you that part? Genesis 26, and the first verse There was a famine in the land beside the first famine that was in the days of Abraham. Everybody say famine. famine. Now famine is a time when almost no one is reaping. But is it possible to reap when nobody else is reaping naturally? Yes, yes it is. That's what we're about to see. And so Isaac went to Abimelech, king of the Philistines, and to Gerar, and the Lord appeared to him and said, 
go not down into Egypt. Dwell in the land that I shall tell you of. Sojourn in this land, and I will be with you and bless you. And then to you and your seed, I'll give all these countries and perform the oath I swear to Abraham, your father. And he goes on talking about the blessing. But it was contingent upon him following his directions to stay there and don't go there. Why say, why, why do you need to say don't go to Egypt? Because in the times of dire straits and famine, there were more resources in Egypt. There are more resources in the developed city and the place. And you know, even in, in um, we see that in Joseph's time when they saved, people were going to Egypt. But he said, don't do that. Now he, he obeyed the Lord and down in verse 12, then Isaac sowed in that land and received in the same year, what? A hundredfold. And the Lord blessed him. And the man waxed great and went forward and grew until he became very great. He had possession of flocks, possession of herds, a great store of servants, and the Philistines envied him. Why? Well, one of the reasons, nobody's reaping like this. Hundredfold in 12 months, same year. Hallelujah. Could he have sown seed and reaped that over in Egypt? No, he couldn't. I said, no, he couldn't. Could he have reaped this any other place when the Lord told him, stay here, don't go over there? Hmm? See, reaping is inseparable from being led by the Spirit. Can you see this? I've seen people leave a good church where their marriage was saved, where their babies were healed, and go across the country to a place where there was no strong church for $10 more an hour, and in a few years, divorced. They're sick. They're, you're not going to reap the same at every place. Pastor was talking about connections, these divine connections. And just like the body, God has joined every member in the body, there's supposed to be a supply. But if you disconnect from where God connected you, and you think, well, I can just go anywhere I want and apply faith principles. I'll just go anywhere I want, and I, as long as I'm sowing seed and claiming it, it'll be all wonderful. No, it won't. No, it won't. If... There's that word again. If you be willing and obedient, you'll eat the good of the land. If you, if you refuse and rebel, you'll be devoured. You'll be consumed. This world is a dangerous place. I said, it's a dangerous place. You do not want to be disconnected, displaced, vulnerable, exposed. You want to be where God puts you. And you want to stay and you want to be fully hooked and you want to do what he told you. You want to sow where he told you to sow and then he'll tell you where to reap. Hallelujah. Yes. Hallelujah. Go where you sit. Stay where you're stationed. 
Sow where you're shown and reap where you're directed. Hallelujah. That's how it works. So go to Luke 5, if you would, and we see, to me, one of the greatest examples of what we're talking about. Reaping is not automatic. Of course, you sow. And what kind of harvest you get is dependent on several factors. It's dependent on where you sow. Not all ground is equal. Hmm? Not all seed is equal. What kind of seed you sow? how much seed you sow, what kind of ground you sow it into. But then the other element is the harvesting aspect. There'll come a time then, like the scripture said, you know, uh, uh, the kingdom of God is like a man that puts seed into the ground and, and it grows and develops. He doesn't know how, but first the blade, then the ear, then the full corn in the ear. But then when the harvest has come, when the fruits come, then he puts in the sickle, Mark 4 says. The same person that did the sowing is the one that does the reaping. You can't leave it up to God. In Luke 5, y'all okay? Got a little bit more. Luke 5 is the early days of Jesus' ministry. Very early. And this is actually the, uh, uh, you see the, First, some of the very first apostles following him. I'm talking, I need to get there. Uh, and the scripture said when he was there by the lake, the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God. So there were these big crowds and they've kind of got him cornered down against the lake now. And uh, the crowd's pressing on him, I guess. And he saw two ships. Now, these weren't giant ships, uh, but they were, for the time, commercial fishing vessel. Good-sized boat, not just a rowboat. And standing by the lake, and the fishermen were gone out of them and were washing their nets. So this is the, they, they fished all night, we see later. And this is the end of their work time period. And they got the boats back to shore and they're cleaning and putting up their equipment. And Jesus went ahead and boarded one of the boats. There was Simon's. How many know that was not an accident? And prayed him or asked him that he would thrust out a little from the land. And uh, Peter did. Now you got to remember, they don't know who he is. They don't know who he is. But when he asked for it, and they could have said, hey, guy, what are you doing getting on my boat? <laughs> this is how you miss blessing. Is that right? Being so territorial, being so fearful, being so impatient. But he said, uh, would you thrust out a little bit in the boat out in the water? And Peter said, okay. <laughs> so he did. He got the boat off the shore. Maybe dropped an anchor or so. Jesus sat down, talked to people out of the ship. This went on for some time. And then uh, 
When he left speaking, he said to Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a draft or for a catch. Peter has sown a seed, whether he realized it or not. These things work. Even if you don't understand much about them, if you'll cooperate. You don't have to understand it all if you'll do follow the direction. Launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a draft or for a catch. Jesus is not a moocher. He's not a user. He's not a taker. He's a giver. You believe that? And so Peter has sown his time. He's sown his equipment and the use of his equipment. Now the Lord wants him to reap. But he's going to have to get Peter to cooperate with him if that's going to happen. He said, launch out. And Peter said, Simon said, Master, we toiled all the night. We've taken nothing. It's time for them to go home. They've been, they work the night shift. And it's time for, they're already late by staying for the service. Right? Two hours, three hours, I don't know, four, whatever it was. And uh, now supper's cold. We're missing out on our sleep. They sleep in the day, in the afternoon. It's time to sleep, so get ready for working tonight. And now he wants to take the boat out. <laughs> He's not going to make Peter do something. Could Peter have missed it, missed it on this? Could he have said, look, man, I'm already, you know, you're cutting into my nap time. <laughs> Could Peter have slept through a harvest? We see the rest of this passage. You know what's coming. If you've read this, a great big harvest is right here moments away but could Peter have said, look, preacher, you know, I've given you my time. I let you use my boat, and I wish you well. <laughs> but I got to go home. You know, my wife is going to be upset with me as it is. You know, no cell phones. <laughs> uh, but the reason this is in the book, he said, nevertheless, at your word, man, this is how you reap. At your word, I will do what we tried and tried and tried all night but didn't work. Yeah, but you didn't do what the Lord told you to do on it. And later on when the Lord was raised from the dead, you remember that uh, they saw him on the shore. They were out fishing in the boat again. And he said, y'all catching anything? They said, no, nah, no. Nah. He said, cast your nets over on the right side of the boat. And immediately their nets filled up. People search and search. And they try everything in the world. And they look to the world to tell us how to be successful. But you don't need that. You need to, you need to get away from that. And focus in on the one who's inside of you who knows everything about everything 
And you can't just make a list of rules and regulations. Everybody's life is different every day. But if in all your ways you will acknowledge him, he will direct your paths. And you'll wind up at the right place at the right time with the right thing to sow. And then later you'll wind up at the right place at the right time ready to reap. And when you do the action he gives you, you will reap where other people wouldn't even dream they could reap. I'll let down the net. And so, uh, when he did... When this was done, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes and their net broke and they beckoned unto their partners that they were in the other ship and that they should come and help them and they came and filled both the ships so that they began to sink. Simon Peter saw it and fell down at Jesus' knees. He said, depart from me. I'm a sinful man, O Lord. And the reason he said it, verse nine, he was astonished. And all that were with him at the draft of the fishes which they had taken. And so was James and John, the sons of Zebedee and partners of Simon. They were astonished. They're commercial fishermen. They, they've probably been out here on this lake their whole life. They have never seen anything like this. How many is ready to see harvest like you have never seen in your life? Has God changed? Has his will changed? Has his plan changed? No. But too many times, so much of the church is, not, is making no effort to reap. They're just waiting on God. They think, well, I sowed. That's it, right? No. No, honey child, you're not done. <laughs> no, you're not done. Sowing was not the end of it. Sowing was the beginning of it. It was the start of something. There's the sowing, there's the standing, there's the reaping. That's what we do. And so when they, they were astonished, everybody say astonished. They were astonished. And everybody that was with them were astonished. I mean, you talk about gaga, their mouths were hanging open. Their, their eyes were like, so, they were like, can you believe? This is money. They're professional fishermen. This is money. In fact, this is how much money it was. Jesus said to Simon, fear not, from henceforth you shall catch men. What if Peter had said, sorry, I don't have time, and he's back home sleeping? Would he have heard this? This is how folks miss it. And the Bible said, when they had brought their ships to land, they forsook all and followed him. How can you do that? They got families. How can you do that? With this harvest. This harvest, two ships sinking from so many fish, that's money. It financed their launching into ministry with Jesus. It was money for home while they're on the road with Jesus. It was money to support them and get them out. It was a great harvest, a material harvest, right? And it came after sowing a seed and after obeying the Lord's direction to reap. 
Are you a sower? Are you also a reaper? How many believe that you are as good a reaper as you are a sower? Stand on your feet, everybody. Praise God. Somebody say glory to God. 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 I want us to act on this now. The money that it takes to pay your bills, to pay off your debts, to catch you up, money for you to sow, that is so tiny in the eyes of God. I'm telling you, it is tiny to him. It is so trivial. But he needs some cooperation out of us. So let's do, I know many of you have sown, you have sown, you have sown. It's in your account. It's time to lay hold. So let's, let's release faith right now and lay hold of more than enough to catch us up, pay off all our bills, and get us ahead and to sow for right now. And then when you get home, you begin to be more specific. Look at your stuff. Put a number to it. Don't be vague and too general. Let me give you some good advice. Always add some extra. Huh? Yeah? If it's 2,500, you know, round it up to five. I'm telling you, you'll be happy you did. Round it up. Why not round it up to a million? Because is your faith there? If your confidence is not there, you're just pretending and playing games again. You won't say, it's got to be real to you. You got to be fully persuaded. You got to really expect. So are you ready? Close your eyes. Focus on the Lord. Say it out loud. In Jesus' name. I claim, I lay hold of more than enough out of this world system, more than enough money, more than enough resources to pay all my bills, catch up everything that's behind, get ahead, money to give, money to sow. I lay hold of it. I believe I take it in Jesus' name. Satan, take your hands off my money, off my finances. Stop in all your operations. Cease in all your maneuvers against me. I forbid it. I bind you in Jesus' name. <laughs> oh, Oh, they're cussing and, and, and carrying on. <laughs> say, say it out loud. Ministering spirits, holy angels of God, sent to minister for us. Go, work, influence, cause it to come in quickly, abundantly. To the glory of God. Oh, hallelujah. If you believe that, lift your hands. Give thanks to the Lord. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Amen. 